0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about some stuff, and, and so I want to speak to you about that stuff. He's been talking to me a little bit about the fact that He is too small in our lives. Our concept of God has reduced Him to a small God, And he wants to be liberated from that paradigm. He wants us to understand the fact that we serve a good God, a God that is much bigger than we're ever able to comprehend, understand a God who is good, a God who is loving, a God who is truthful, and a God who's wanting to change your life in ways that you least imagined. But we're keeping him inhibited because of the way that we think about him and the concept that we have of him. And so what I want to do today is, I believe what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to break down some of those boundaries that we have of who he is, and introduce us to a God that is much bigger than we're ever capable of fully appreciating and understanding. Okay, so that's good news. Are you with me this morning? Are you sure? Okay, I'm going to read from John chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate is a pool just called in Hebrew Bethesda. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there and had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, and he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed, and he walked. This is such an interesting story because there are so many parts to the story that I don't understand. I don't understand why God, Jesus happens to be walking around at precisely this moment. I don't know and I don't understand why Jesus chose that man. I don't understand why Jesus walked into an area that is full of a whole bunch of sick people. And there's not one recorded episode of him healing anybody else but this man. I don't understand how he stepped over all of these sick people and he went to one man in particular that doesn't demonstrate the least amount of faith. There are lots of parts to the story that you don't understand. And funny enough, the more I thought about that, I began to realize, well, that's probably the point of the story. The point of the story is maybe we're not supposed to understand it. The point of the story is we are so comfortable and we're so climatized to understanding God that we put him into limiting spaces. And we try to define who God is and how he acts and when he acts and who he acts with and how he's going to do it and when he's going to do it. And we love to be conditioned by our understanding. And yet in this episode, what it says to us is that God steps over the boundaries of all of our understanding and says, I'm going to do something just because I'm God. You don't understand it because we don't have an appreciation for it. But God is not limited by our understanding. The challenge that we have as people is that we have a fascination, a preoccupation, and we have a natural inclination to always move towards understanding everything. We always want to understand Understanding is inherently not bad. And I'll speak about this a little bit later. God gave us the, a brain with a purpose. The purpose of our brain is to understand because many of the things that you're going to do in life are opened up as a result of your understanding. The challenge with it is we don't always have an appreciation for the way that we were designed or the way that we were made. Because if we did, we would have a realization that our interaction with God and our relationship with God is never going to be engaged and in terms of our understanding god is much bigger than who we are we happen to be the created he is the creator in that context i never have the ability to really have a full appreciation and understanding of who he is It doesn't mean that I don't strive and work towards having an appreciation and a value for who he is. But what it does mean is I don't put limitations in my life that unless I understand it, unless I appreciate it, unless I value it, unless I'm prepared to get it to a place where I can see how God is going to do it and when he's going to do it and how he's going to do it, I don't partner with God. The reason we have a small God is because if we don't understand him, I won't partner with him. If I don't understand him and I don't know how he's going to do it, I'll do it myself. Our understanding, in many ways, is an obstruction to God working in our lives. It inhibits him, it limits him, it reduces his size, and it puts him in a place where he's predictable. We never get surprised by God. And the funny thing about it is, if we have a look at the way that we were created, man was created to live from knowing not from understanding man was created to live from knowing not from understanding They're two important concepts that we need to have an appreciation for. If you want to understand something, understanding speaks about your rational capacities. It speaks about your ability to be able to move into a space and give a definition to it, to be able to define it, to be able to access it in many different ways and perhaps turn it upside down, inside out. But it gives us the capacity to be able to understand it, define it. The thing about it is knowing is not about understanding. Knowing is about what you believe. Knowing is about what you believe. And sometimes what you believe transcends what your, what your understanding is all about. The reason that God goes to your belief and not your understanding is because our understanding comes with inhibitors. Our understanding comes with a, a, a fence at a certain point where it's like, I can understand up to that point, but I can't understand beyond that. The reason that he touches our beliefs is because your beliefs can believe for things that transcend the, what you understand in your life. That's right. The possibilities of our life exist as a result of what we believe, not because of what we understand. That's why he partners with us. He's looking for that. John chapter, uh, what is it? Three verse, 8 verse 23, is it? I got it right. John chapter uh, 32. I was close enough. I mean, I transposed a couple of numbers. I was excited. John chapter 8 verse 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It didn't say that you would understand the truth. It says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's really important. It's not, a, it's not a minor distinction. What he's saying is this. If you're going to try and understand the truth, what you want to do is you want to bring truth into your paradigm, into your reality. And when we want to bring truth into our reality, we try and see how we can add something into the current mix to change the current mix. What he said is, I'm not interested in your understanding, I'm interested in what you know. When you know the truth and you allow truth to redefine your beliefs, what ends up happening is it introduces you to possibilities that transcend your understanding. Truth comes as a result of what we know, not what we understand. why he speaks to us and he says the just shall live by the just don't live by understanding why because i serve a big god and if i serve a big god a big god is much bigger than my circumstance a big god is much bigger than my situation a big god is much big bigger than my understanding of what's happening in my world right now a big god is much bigger than my definition of who he is here's a shocker he's also much bigger than your revelation there's nothing wrong with revelation. You should pursue revelation and I'll speak about that. But understand this. Revelation is progressive. It's giving us, Jesus is taking an aspect of who he is and he's revealing that to us. Because I have an aspect and an understanding of that, I'm far from realizing it in its entirety. Don't get hooked into a revelation and form a doctrine about it. Don't get hooked into a single revelation and start a a, a, a new, what do they call it? Baptists? Baptists? That's the word, denomination. It was multi-syllabic. That's why I couldn't pronounce it. Don't form a new... uh, uh, What is it again? (laughs) I've got doctrine in my head, denomination. Don't form a new denomination because you have a Revelation. He's introducing you to something new. He's introducing you to something expansive. What he's saying is, I don't want for you to be limited where you are. I don't want you to be inhibited about your understanding. I want to introduce you to the possibilities of your life. The just shall live by faith. Why? Because God walks into our circumstance and into our situations. And he wants to engage you where you are. He's not interested in your understanding. He goes straight to the heart of the matter. And he says, let's touch on your beliefs. What does he do? I'll give you a part of who I am. I'll give you the substance of things hoped for. Why? Because he's giving me something that I'm hoping for, something that doesn't exist in my reality right now, something that should define my future, something that I want to move into, but it's not apparent right now. And it really doesn't matter if you can't see it, because the fact of the matter is I have a substance of what is hoped for. It establishes a new foundation in my life. The just shall live by faith, not by the parameters defined by my understanding. I can hold on to things from God and I can see possibilities in my life that exist that may not exist without those. I'm not going to throw God's possibilities and invitations overboard because they don't conform to my understanding. Abraham, God speaks to him and God says to him, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. What did he He knew something on the inside of him. He knew God's design for who he was supposed to be. He knew what God's invitation was. It defined who he was. It defined his knowing. It defined his belief. It was something that was so strong, that resonated on the inside of him, that was so real to him. It was a substance that he held on to. And he held on to that substance for over 20 years before Isaac was born. And in that time... There was an episode that happened where he started to wobble a little bit. And instead of just holding on to what he knew, he said, let me just try and understand what God's doing. And he made a mistake. Let me try and understand what God's doing. Let me take God's plan. Let me take God's purposes. Let me take God's potential and the invitation. And let me bring it into the place where I start to try and understand how this is going to work in the context of my reality. I can't see how it's going to happen with Sarah. Ah, what a joke. (laughs) But I happen to have a slave woman with me. So I'll help God out. That's the problem with understanding. The challenge with it is we can't relax and let God as long as we're in our understanding. Because understanding always wants to get to the place where, tell me the plan. I want to know the plan. And when you tell me the plan, then I'm going to see if the plan's going to work. I've got control issues. I don't tell anybody that, but I have. I want to look at my reality and see, is the plan going to work? If the plan doesn't work, I am plan B. (laughs) And so I step into helping God out. And God says, what are you doing? You know what you just did? You marginalized me and you made a small God of me rather than holding on to the God of possibilities. The God of possibilities. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What's in your heart? Yeah, that's what else, Billy? Oh, yeah, your beliefs. Let me help you. Your beliefs. What he's saying is he doesn't say trust in the God in the, uh, trust in the Lord with all your understanding or your head. He didn't say that. He said, trust him with your heart. Why? Because in your heart lie your beliefs. What he's saying is, I'm more interested in what you know than what you understand. Trust in the Lord with all your beliefs. And lean not to your own. In all your ways, acknowledge the God of possibilities, and he will direct your paths. Stop looking for direction out of your reality in terms of what you can manage and what you can do, because the God of possibilities wants to walk into your circumstance and walk into your situation, and when you least expect it and you don't know how, he's going to surprise you. Why? Because that's who he is. The challenge with it is, when we start to try and understand, we take away his opportunity to surprise us. I have to hurry a little bit, because I've got a a bit of stuff I've got to get through. Um, When we try to build relationship with God from our understanding, what ends up happening is we start a construction project. What we start to do is, I start to gather all of my understanding of who God is. I start to explore God in terms of, um, I belong to this. What's this thing again? (laughs) You see, I was just testing to make sure you're paying attention. What is my denomination about? What do they believe? And so I get all my denominational thinking and I pull that into my thing. And then what I begin to do is I move to a space where I begin to read all of the books that my denomination has ticked off. And then I just add to that so that we, but we don't go into those places because we don't really believe that kind of stuff. So what ends up happening is I'm building a concept. I'm building a paradigm of what God is all about. I'm constructing some arches of certainty. And I like to live under the arches of certainty next to the pool because everything is so neat and so certain and so safe and so designed. I like to come to church where I know how church is going to be. I like to come to church when we all sit in our pews and we sing from Golden Bell's hymn books. Why? Because it's predictable. Because it's what I know. Because it's what I understand. And I like to live in that safe place because I'm able to define who God is. I've just constructed the arches of security for me. I'm so safe in that place because I've created a God and I know who he is and I know what he's about and I know how he acts and I know when he acts and I know when he moves and I know when he doesn't move and I've ended up with a paradigm and a concept of God that is so safe. The challenge with it is this. When I'm really, really immersed in that, you know what I do? I invite everybody else in to come and have a look at my architectural wonder. (laughs) Check how much I know you want to know the verse I'll speak to you about where it came from I'll give you all the information you need to know about that I'll tell you what the revelation is I'll, tell you, I'll give you everything that you need to know aren't I great I'm building arches. And I know how God works. You see, God doesn't walk into my story and just offer to make me healed and whole to pick up my mat and walk. That's not how he works. You see, how God works is the angel that he sends comes down and begins to stir the say. Don't interrupt my story, Jesus. I'm telling you about how God works. Come on. That's good. Good. Come on. But do you want to be healed? I haven't got time for that. I'm telling you what my problem is. My problem is I can't get into the pool. I didn't ask you if you want to get into the pool. Do you want to step into possibilities? We miss God because we understand him and we're so safe and we're so secure in how he's going to work and what he's going to do. The challenge with it is this. What we do is we end up putting our confidence in the architecture and not the person. I'm so safe in that space, but you I don't know. When Jesus came walking in, there was no reason why he should have chosen him. This wasn't an Abraham was a man of faith, the father of faith. He had nothing. And yet he comes face to face with Jesus. And even when Jesus is speaking to him about possibilities, he's telling Jesus how things should be. In his mercy and in his grace, he does something for somebody that he had no need to have to do. Why? I don't understand why. Can you live with not understanding? It's more important to be moved by faith than understanding. You see, the challenge with it is, as long as we want to live under the arches, where we understand everything that we understand, and we understand what we believe and who God is and why He is, the challenge with it is, we set the parameters so tight that we serve a God of certainty. And when you serve a God of certainty, the challenge is that you've removed any opportunity to be surprised. So in essence, what you're saying is, your God is dull. Your God is boring! Why? Because he only does what I know and I understand. I haven't left any room in my economy to be surprised. God is not ever limited by who we are and our doctrine, our ideology, or that other thing that you all know about. He's not limited by any of those things. And my exhortation and my encouragement to you today is this. Step outside of your understanding and step into knowing. God is not going to meet you in your understanding, but He'll meet you in your Noah. He'll meet you in your Noah. He had been in that condition for 38 years. 38 years is a long time. 38 years is how long Israel was in the wilderness. 38 years was the length of time that they spent outside wandering around aimlessly in their definition of who God was. You see, he brought them to a place where he sat and said, we're at at the boundary. We're at the boundary of what you know. We're at the boundary of what you understand. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to introduce you to my possibilities. Will you, what, will you partner with me? Will you step over into the land of promise? Will you come with me? And you'll realize, and he begins to tell them all the wonderful things that he wants to do in their life. And you know what they said. But, Lord, you don't understand. You gotta be pretty brash when you tell him that he doesn't understand. We can't do that. We limit and inhibit God working in our life because we end up with a small God because what we do is we want to project who we are unto God. That's not what God can do. Why? Because that's not what I can do. Just saying. Just saying. They wondered. 38 years. 38 years. Do you know how many people are stuck out in the wilderness in religion? Do you know what religion is? Religion is when God comes and wants to introduce Himself to us. And we don't want to meet Him in our heart, we want to meet Him in our head. So what we say is, Pleased to meet you. And what we do is we immediately start to assess and appraise, and we start to form our ideas and put those together. The challenge with it is this. Anytime we take the things of God and process them through our understanding and not our heart, we end up in trouble. Because you know what? The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. Now listen to what it says. It says it profits nothing. It doesn't say that nothing happens. It says it profits nothing. The profit, the value, the life is in the spirit. But you still get something out of the understanding. But what you get is not profitable. What you get is something called religion. I can look really good trying to follow this stuff. I can look really solid. I can look, I'm under my arches. Check my architecture. Check my architecture. Are you impressed? But I'm wondering how. I'm wondering, I'm still sick, I'm still stuck and I'm still waiting for that pesky angel to stir those waters because God doesn't work any other way. That's how God works under the arches. The angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, here's the vision for what I want to do. What's the first thing that Mary says? How can these things what was she asking? She was really saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's okay. If at some point when you first introduce to God, you try and get an understanding of who he is, the things don't live there. Because you know what? At the end of the conversation, she finishes off by sitting saying, so be it unto me according to your will. Yeah. She got to the place where she was like, you know what? I'm not going to understand this. This is much bigger than me. What I'm dealing with here is I'm dealing with something that has to do with God. I'm dealing with potential. I'm dealing with possibilities. I'm dealing with things which are beyond my threshold of control so be it unto me according to your will. There's a place of surrender where I sit and say, you know what, I want to live with the God of possibilities. I don't want a small God. Surprise me. I was going to tell you something else. What? There are themes in the Bible. It's important that we understand themes because a theme is a a recurring subject that keeps coming up. One of the recurring themes in the Bible is the difference between natural, spiritual, flesh, spirit. They're recurring themes. You'll see with regularity, God is often talking about spirit or he's talking about flesh. In that context, understand this. You were designed as a living soul. You are such a fabulous creation. You know why he designed you as a living soul? Say, I'm, ex- I'm, unique. I'm, unique. I'm unique. Did you know that there is no other creation that is a living soul? There is no other creation that's a living soul. Only man is a living soul. He's created of two components. He's created of matter, material, that puts him in the realm that God has designed for him. Let me create a domain for man called earth. But in order for him to participate in that domain, he has to be of that domain. So let's create substance. Give him body. But in order for him to be able to engage with that world, he needs to have the capacity to be able to explore creation, to decide, to make decisions in that space where, where it's like I make discoveries about what, what's happening in that world. So he gives us brain. Your brain is really important. Every time you talk about the brain, I'm talking about, it's a paraphrase for talking about the flesh, okay? Because it's the governing body of your flesh, Nobody's ever come into a church and it's like, what's going on? My hand's attacking me. <laughs> your hand doesn't have a life of its own. It's governed by your brain. Anything that you want to do is governed by your brain in the natural I'm talking about. It makes things happen. So when you talk about the brain, we're talking about your, 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 your natural stuff. Christians are weird because we have a tendency to always want to be extreme. We either want to be all natural or we want to be all spiritual. So very often what ends up happening is we sit and say, fine, anything of the flesh is evil. It's not evil. Just listen to me. Just sit down. Remember, you have your paradigms. You have your, just listen. Who created you? Who created the earth? Is any, did, what did he say when he finished creation? He looked at all things and said, this is? Good. No, he didn't. He said, this is very good. Oh, yeah, very good. <laughs> okay. The point is this. We were designed to live and God created us with a domain called earth. We are still to live in that space. The thing about it is you're not to be ruled by that space. That's the big difference. And so he created us as a living soul. And a living soul is when God had created the physical components to who we were. He took of himself and he, you want the definition for living soul? Yeah. Get out of your doctrine and your everything else and your everyone. Go to what God says, because here it comes. Here's the definition of living soul. God took the body and God breathed of himself into man and man became a? Living soul. The spirit of God inside the body of man became what is God referred to as a living soul. It's made up of both of components. In the the context of living soul, basically what gives life, the life principle is God's spirit that was breathed into that. But not only that, it also was designed to be in very close relationship with the brain. And as a result of that, the two of them interact with one another, which it needed to do. God was sitting saying this, I'm so excited because you know what? I have a plan and a purpose for you. I'm going to give you a brain so that you can go out into the world and through the domain that I've given to you, and you can explore, and you can discover, and you can see this wonderful creation. And every time you see something new, every time you discover something fantastic, you can say, gee, don't we really serve a great God? The thing with it is the capacity and the ability of your brain is limited to the degree to which you discover stuff. It's limited. It also is accessible It's also the governing body to your senses. So everything that happens in that world comes in here, and not everything's good. So he says, fine, I've given you that, but I'll tell you what else I've given you. I've given you my spirit. At the very center of our spirit is something called a mind. It's spiritual. It defines who you are. Your mind has the capacity to relate to God. It also has the capacity to relate to your brain. The challenge with it is, in that space, I'm going to live and I'm going to give definition to every aspect of my life, including God. The challenge is when I take the things of God into my brain and I begin to process them there in terms of my understanding, and I allow that to inform my concept of who God is, it's going to be so limited. But God's not interested in being a limited God. He wants to be the God of possibilities that's right. so what he says is you don't get to define your future if you want a future defined by possibilities let me be the source of what defines that stop going to your brain to define who i am and meet me in a space called the heart wow. why because that's who he is he took of who he was and he put it in deep calls into deep In the center of your spirit, you have something. It's a capacity. You don't have, it's not an organ. We're talking spirit stuff here. But you have the capacity to be able to decide and to think and to feel and to interpret. Those are all capacities that God has. Why are those things important? Because every time you make a decision about things, you're defining who you are. You're defining your personality those things that make you unique. When you one day die, you don't stay with the body and this thing called spirit just wishes out and there's nothing to it. You go with it. God interacts with a personality called you. If you look at the Bible, there there, there are examples of that. God interacting with people who have died. What was it? They were having a conversation about things. And talking about the fact that, gee, you know, can you send somebody back to earth to actually tell my brothers and the rest of my family about what they, where did that come from? It's not just nothing. When you die, who you are will go with spirit into eternity and spend eternity with God. This thing dies, dust to dust, but you will live forever. What's important about it is this. Your mind was built with the capacity to engage God. Anytime you want to put God into your story, that is your gateway. Incarnational reality is about the the realization of the truth that God is on the inside of who I am. And anytime I want to access him, he's given me the capacity to do that through my mind, not my brain. Why is it important? Because all of who he is, he wants to take and he wants to reveal to you. Every time... We're in a circumstance, in a situation, and we go to God. You know what He's going to do? He's going to reveal. He's, we, we're going to experience revelation. Revelation is the Holy Spirit sitting saying, I understand the situation you're in. I'm so glad you came to me to speak to me about this. I'll tell you what. Let me show you an aspect of who Christ is. It's going to surprise you. It's going to shock you a little bit because it's not going to conform to your reality. It comes with possibilities. It's going to stretch you a little bit. But I want you to know who he is. The thing is, he doesn't do it into our our brain because he's going to be limited. So we're interacting with our mind, with our spirit. And what does he do? He takes part of who he is and he makes an impartation to us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the rhema of God. The logos can go into my brain. And the logos is nothing wrong with it. Get it there if you wanted to. It's a wonderful thing. God intended for us to, to experience that. Because he knows that we're natural being, we're comfortable in the natural realm. We have senses. When we get the word of God, we can see it, we can touch it, we can hear it. And so what it begins to do is it paints a picture for us of who he is. It's the menu board. It's not him. The intention is to get you so excited about the possibilities of God that you send out a search party that says, I'm not going to discover him in my understanding, but I know where to get hold of him. You see, I had this time where God came and he took up residence on the inside of me and he's looking for opportunity to engage me. And in that space, he imparts things to me that are designed to take me beyond my capacity and where I am. They're called possibilities. Only he can do that. Only he can do that. Possibilities are not comfortable. Don't for a moment think that they necessarily are. You might be surprised by them and you'll enjoy them. But just because they're uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's wrong. You see, we like to live in the boat of understanding. We like that space because it's so safe. But when God invites us beyond our threshold, what he's saying is, come walk on the water. Come walk on the water. It's about possibilities. Step over the boat. Step beyond what you can control. Step beyond what you understand. Step beyond your limitations. And you might be surprised at what happens. And as long as I kept my focus on him and as long as I saw the God of possibilities and I'm connected with the God of possibilities, you're in a good space because you'll be experiencing some stuff beyond your limitations. You'll go into places that he's designed for you that nobody else can take you. But don't try to understand it. The minute you get into the middle of the situation and then I start to have a look at what's going on around me and I try to understand it, I want to go back to a small God. And I start to think, We've got a great God. We've got a big God. Let me tell you, this is how much God loves you. You are so important to God and so valuable to God that even while we were separated from Him and lived in a state of total confusion, He would do everything to get to those depths to come and redeem us. This is the God, this is, what we, this is what we gather from the Jesus story. We have a God who would go to hell so that he can have a relationship with you. And so whatever you're going through right now, and whatever the challenge might be, and whatever the pain might be, whatever the limitations are, whatever is giving you angst, he wants to be at a place where he steps in and he meets us in that place. And when he meets us in that place, what he wants us to know is this. Now that I'm here, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now that I'm here in your life, now that I'm journeying with you, now that I am in the flesh and in your story, what could we do? My encouragement for you is this. Step beyond the threshold of limitations. Enjoy that because God has given you that to move into a space where you can live in a comfortable place in the world in which you find yourself. It's a good thing to know that a lot of that stuff. Understand the value, but don't understand it's a tool and nothing more. It's just a tool, it's a brain. But the essence of who you are, who defines me and how I live, is something that is reserved for me in relationship with God. In that space, He's going to invite us into possibilities that you've never experienced outside of that. That's part of the thrill of the Christian experience. Part of the wonder of the Christian experience is that we have access to possibilities that don't exist outside of God. Use them. Use them let him reinvigorate your life let him charge your life get outside of understanding and move into possibilities stop living by what i can control and move to a paradigm where i can start to get comfortable and i can get myself entrenched in a lifestyle of faith living in a place where i'm living in the expectation of the possibilities of what he could do when you get to that space you'll keep your eyes open for a big god you should wake up every morning and you should be the happiest person on the planet you have no reason to be in the doldrums you have no reason to be in a bad mood you know why because the God of possibilities will never leave you nor forsake you every morning when you wake up you should sit and say I wonder what I'm going to discover today what an exciting day it's an invitation to new discoveries what are you going to discover this week Wake up every day, every day, and sit and say, show me your wonder. Surprise me. That's the God that we serve. It's always good to explore the things of God, but it's much better to know the things of God. Don't live in your head. It, it, is, it is a different way of living, migrating from our understanding to our heart and it does it takes time and it takes effort because it's not something that comes naturally to us but i promise you it's a much better world it'll change you and introduce wonder to your life like you've never known We should, the reason that Christians should be so joyful is because of what we have available to us. You see, when we step into possibilities is when we live in favor. When I step into possibilities, it's like I spend my life in favor. Bless Francisco. She's making sure I'm on track. The life of favor is not in your understanding. It's in stepping beyond the boat. Onto the water. And living in favor in that space. Don't worry about understanding it. Leave it to him. That's part of what faith is all about. It's the trust and the confidence. Not in what I know, but in who he is. Father, I want to thank you. For an incredible bunch of people. People who are filled with wonder and excitement for the possibilities that exist in you. I want to thank you that you are such a big God, that you're such a great God, that you're such an exciting God. I thank you that you take so much delight in surprising us. I want to thank you that you are so big and so expansive. Help us shed the shackles of our limitations. Open the eyes of our understanding beyond the limitations of where we are. Don't let us be confined and inhibited. Let us go into the world introducing possibilities. I thank you. That your steadfast love never ends. I want to thank you that your mercies Never come to an end. They new every morning. new every morning. And part of your greatness is because of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. Amen.